This morning we are continuing in our church series. We've taken the month of August to focus on church. And uh, we're launching our new campus September 13th, just a few weeks from now in Belmont. We're excited about that. So we wanted to take the month of August to talk about how we do church. Uh, the, the why we do church, uh, the how, the why, the what's of church, and just refresher and talk about what we do here on a Sunday morning and what we do here as a church body. So I want to continue in that this morning. Um, last summer, uh, it, was this, it was a great blessing, and this church was very gracious uh, to be able to take, for me to be able to take a sabbatical last summer, last July and August, and that was a great blessing. Uh, I came into this summer thinking, it seemed like I had so much more time last summer. And I thought, oh yeah, we were on sabbatical last summer. And that was a great blessing. That was very generous. It's great to be a part of a church that has a view towards long-term faithful ministry and a blessing to its pastors. And that was wonderful. One of the things that we got to do that I don't usually get to do, and most pastors usually don't get to do, and you'll understand why, is visit other churches on a Sunday morning. It's interesting as a pastor, right? You do this thing of church every Sunday morning, but you don't get to see how other people do it very often. I mean, you can on TV or on podcasts or things like that, um, but you don't get to see the church down the street or the church often ministering in your context very often. So one of the things we did while we were on sabbatical very intentionally was tried to visit some other churches in our area, but uh, some different churches as well. Uh, we wanted our, our kids and our family to be able to see just different ways that expressions of church. So one Sunday we visited a, uh, a campus church. It was a video site, uh, and that was a little different to be able to go to church, but then the message being on a video screen and to experience a little bit a different way of doing church in that way, not having a uh, pastor right there in front, uh, but then a campus pastor there. Uh, we visited uh, inner city church, very inner city church, a lot different than this context, no parking to speak of, um, and, and just a very inner city ministry, ministering to a very different uh, population, and got to see what church was like there. Visited suburban church churches, visited a church in the city of Boston that met in a hotel, and that was very different. Talk about, well, is that a church, right? To talk about, talk through what makes a church, and can a church that meets in a hotel be a church? And of course it can, but we had to talk through what makes a church. Did they, did they pray? Yes. Did they talk about Jesus and use the word of God? Yes. Did they uh, fellowship and were they in relationship with each other? Yes. Then, then in a hotel in Boston, it's a church. But these different expressions of what a church is. The front of your bulletin this morning has a couple different pictures that I found of very different churches around the world. There's a mud church there in Mali. There's a snow church in Germany. You can decide which one you'd rather attend. Um, but uh, very different expressions of really church buildings, right, there. Because we understand when we use the word church, we're talking about the people of God that meet. And so the church can meet in a snow church in Germany, can meet in a mud church in Mali, can meet in a former public school in Burlington, can meet in a building that was built in the late 1800s for it to be a church in Belmont, and the church can meet there and be the church. In fact, uh, some uh, Christian groups will still call the place that they meet not a church, but some of them will still call it a meeting house. 
uh, you might remember from Puritan studies in history or things like that, that the Puritans would often call the place where they met the meeting house because it was the place where people would meet, but it was also the place where you would go to meet with God. But of all these different expressions of church, no matter which one you walked into, whether you walked into the snow church in Germany, the mud church in Mali, or the public's, former public school here in Burlington, I assure you of one thing. I think you can be fairly certain of one thing. That when you would walk in there, you would at least expect that it would be a place and a space where people are coming to meet with God. I mean, you don't have to know anything about the, 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 the people in there. You may have never met them. You may not speak their language you may not understand everything that's said, but if it is a Christian church and they, are, and, and they say they are a Christian church and you walk in there, you can at least expect that that space has been set aside and the people are gathered there for one of the main purposes to meet with God. And it's certainly true that when you walk into Mount Hope Christian Center here in Burlington, that I hope you can reasonably assume that we are gathered here together this Sunday morning and every Sunday morning to meet with God. And I hope that anyone that comes in would make that assumption and I hope they would be right, that we were gathered, right? They'd be right. We're gathered here to meet with God. So here's my question to you this morning. If that assumption is true, and it is, that we are gathered here to meet with God, and it's, it's also true that everything we do on Sunday morning is really organized around in a lot of ways, that one main purpose. We sing in order to encounter and to meet with God, to worship him. We sit under his word. We give in order to worship him. We respond to the word. We pray for one another. If everything is organized in a service in order for us to meet with God, then how come there are certain Sundays where you and I will go to a service and leave that service and feel like we have not met with God. Maybe that's not you. If that's not you, you can just ignore the rest of this message. But for the rest of us, the reality is, I've been there and you've been there, that there are sometimes you will come and your body is here and you were present and you, and you were here for that hour and a half or so on a Sunday and yet you walk out of this place and even though one of the main purposes with us was to connect with God, to meet with God, you walk out of this place and you're not sure you met with God. How can it be that that would be possible? If Jesus said, two or, where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst of them. Certainly then, where two or three hundred are gathered, we can assume uh, rightly that the presence of God and the Holy Spirit of God is present when we're gathered in the name of Jesus here. So if God's presence is here, and we're here to meet with him. How is it that you and I can sometimes leave on a Sunday morning feeling like we haven't met with God? Feeling like we haven't connected with him? Feeling like we haven't encountered him? Maybe that you've never experienced that. So I'll just preach to myself because I have experienced that at times. Let me this morning just talk to you as the church. As we gather together, let me give you four quick things that I think are reasons why sometimes when we come together, we fail to meet with God. Sometimes when we come together, even though one of our supreme purposes is to meet with God, even though everything is organized around that, why sometimes you might leave this place 
and feel like you haven't met with God. Four things that are essential for us to be able to meet with God and to know that we have met with God. And I'm going to do it quickly. So if you're taking notes, here we go. The first one is this, and it's not groundbreaking, but it's important. The first one is this. If you're going to come here on a Sunday morning and leave here on a Sunday morning and feel like you've met with God, the first thing you need to do is pay attention. <laughs> groundbreaking, right? I feel a little bit, when I, was, when I was thinking about this point, I thought I feel a little bit like that teacher in school, right? Because I was the one kind of in the back of the classroom at times, you know, doodling or maybe, uh, you know, talking or leaning back on my chair and you get the teacher, pay attention. And here's the thing. You can sit through that entire class on geometry or algebra on the periodic table or English or grammar or everything. You could sit through that entire thing and leave and not know a single more thing about algebra, geometry or anything else, right? If you weren't paying attention. So why would it be any different in church? Why is it that I feel like if I sit in a seat on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half that somehow I'm going to be changed when often I'm not even paying attention to what's going on? It's always been a challenge for people, I think as long as people have been sitting in rows in churches, but it's certainly more of a challenge with today's technology. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I love FaceTime. I love Skype. I love all the ways we can connect throughout the world but on a Sunday morning, it can be tough, right? When we've set aside 75 to 90 minutes on a Sunday morning to meet with God, our technology can be a blessing and it can sometimes be a hindrance, right? You're sitting there and it's in your pocket or it's in your purse and you hear that, eh, eh. And then you're faced with a dilemma, Right? You say, oh, no, 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 I am here, I'm listening, they're preaching, and, and, and I'm not going to answer, I am, you know, I'll get it later, it can't be that important. Then you hear the, er, er, and you're just, you're paying attention, you're thinking, oh, and it's going through your mind, is it a text, is it a tweet, is it a status update, what, what is it, you know, who's trying to get a hold of me, is it an email, oh, it might be important, no, I'm right here, I'm right here, okay, I'm tracking with you, Pastor Rick. But then in the back of your mind, it's there. And finally, you say, you know what? You rationalize it, right? I'm so distracted. If I just look at it, I'll be less distracted. I'll get it out of the way. And, and, then, I, and then I'll be able to pay more attention, right? So you pick up your phone. You look at it. And you're like, oh, I got to respond to this. Oh, just be quick, right? And you just, oh, they didn't say that. And then you're just. And then 10 minutes later, you're looking and you're like, well, what just happened? And you've totally lost, right? We lose it, lose it, right? And that's just what happens to us, right? It's often what happens to us in the culture that we live in that we can be often distracted. And we, the reason we weave and we feel like, why well, didn't meet with God? Because you didn't meet with God. You met with someone who's on the other side of the world updating you about what they ate for lunch. And it's amazing. I love being able to connect with the other side of the world. But I hate the fact that sometimes the other side of the world is always in my world, and I hate the fact that my world is always sometimes invaded when I just want sometimes the space to be set aside for the person in front of me or for what's going on right in front of me at that moment, at that time. But it's so difficult at times when we've got that technology often invading us. It's not just modern technology that does this, that keeps us from paying attention, right? It happened before we had cell phones. I remember sitting in this church when I was in youth group. And when I was in youth group, all the youth would sit right about in the middle of that section there. 
And we would sit there all together during worship service, and we didn't have phones or texts, so we would pass notes written on actual paper. (laughs) And we would pass them back and forth to one another. And we did that pretty often until one day, the pastor from the platform, Pastor Harvey Meplink, who if you've ever met him, is very imposing in his demeanor, his voice. He talked like God. And one Sunday night, I'm sitting there with my friends in that row, and he pointed to us, and he said, that will be enough of that. I have never since passed a note in church. Um, In fact, even now, if Wendy tries passing me a note, I'm like, no, don't do that. But it's not just technology, but it's we're constantly distracted. We're constantly kept from paying attention in church. We look around at the people around us. We look at the things around us. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you know how many chandeliers are in this room? How many beams run across the top and how many lights are over my head? If you really get bored with my preaching, you know how many ceiling tiles are in this ceiling. I'm just telling you because that's the stuff I do when I get bored with preaching. I just start counting stuff. I start looking at people. You've done it. But if you're going to leave and you're going to meet with God, we've got to pay attention. It's a passage in 1 Kings chapter 19 where God was um, trying to get the attention of one of the prophets, Elijah. He was in a cave. And he was going to speak to him. And it says, Then a great powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Next slide, finishes the verse, John. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And it goes on to say that the Lord was in the whisper. And I wonder what God has to do sometimes to get our attention. God sent the earthquake, the fire, the wind, but he wasn't in them. He was in the whisper. The voice was his in the whisper. How can you hear the whisper of God with so much noise in your life? That word whisper is even more nuanced than that. It's hard to translate. Whisper is the best we can do. But it can also be translated silence. That somehow in that sacred silence that God was in the silence. How loud does God have to speak for you to hear him? When we come into this place and we gather together as a church of Jesus Christ, we gather together to at least pay attention to the Lord. What's it going to take for you to pay attention? Maybe a tangible step as you got to come in. And let me tell you, I'm going to let you into a little secret. You probably don't know this. But here's what I know about that little little thing you carry in your pocket. I know you probably don't know this, but I know this. There is an off button on it. If you don't know where it is, ask your neighbor. They will show you. I promise you there is an off button on it. But someone might need me. I promise you there is an off button. And God is in control. And here we sing, God, you are in control. God, everything is yours. And yet I can't be without my phone for an hour and a half because someone might need me. God, you're in control of most things. But man, there's some stuff I got to take care of. I don't know, maybe that's your tangible step to do that, to pay attention a little bit more. 
Um, I, I remember at a, I was at a conference a few years back, Beth Moore was speaking, and she said a great thing about this, about social media and about uh, preaching. And I thought this was just a catchy way to remember it. She said, eat before you tweet. That's <laughs> uh, good, right? Eat before you tweet. Apply it to your life before you start sending it out to all your followers to apply to their life. You know, and I thought that was a good reminder. Pay attention. Maybe it means shutting off your phone and actually bringing. These things come in paper, too. Um, you can get them at Barnes & Noble, most Christian bookstores. And you can actually bring a paper one so that if you turned your phone off, you still had one. Um, it's pretty neat. It doesn't have to be charged. Um, so I just, just, and maybe that's your thing. It, it might not distract you. When I'm here, you'll see me. I've got my tablet usually, and I'll tell you in a minute why I do that. You know, I've got my tablet that I usually watch. But, you know, the messages and things, ignore them, you know. That's, that's up to you to be able to do that. Secondly, we miss meeting with God when our heart is simply not open to him. So we miss him because we don't pay attention. We also miss him when our heart is just not open to him. Your body's present, your mind may be even listening, but your heart is not open to him. Um, you know, one of the best examples I can think of of my life for this is when I was chaplain in college of my college dorm, and I was chaplain of Krauss Hall at Evangel University, and Krauss Hall, you don't know it, um, but the only distinction it has is most of the athletes stayed in that dorm, and some of the athletes were great men of God who loved God and loved being there and were there for an education and were there to know Christ, but some of them were there just because they got a scholarship. And when you're the chaplain in a hall with guys that are there just because they got a scholarship who run out of chapel absences... Excuse chat, you got so many excused chapel absences. Well, about two thirds of the semester, these guys ran out of their chapel absences. So they just had to sit there and listen to me for no other reason than they had no chapel absences. Otherwise, they would not be there. And I learned very quickly that speaking to someone whose heart isn't in it can be very difficult. And they didn't leave that place having met with God, they left that place having fulfilled their obligation. And so coming into this place, if you want to leave this place every Sunday morning and feel like you've met with God, you and I have to come in with a heart that is open to what God wants to do and what God can do in this place. I, I notice it particularly, I think, I think this point of coming in sometimes to a church service but not having a heart open, another place I notice it is when I do a Christian wedding or, or, or funeral, which can be beautiful times. I mean, a Christian wedding, you're talking about these amazing truths of the faith of covenant and faithfulness of God to his people and then people to each other. At a funeral, you're talking about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ beyond this life and they can be beautiful and amazing and uplifting times and yet somebody can sit there the whole time and be completely unmoved by it because they're there because they know somebody or they were invited to somebody or it's just an obligation, but they're not there with a heart open to what God wants to say. And that's okay. I'm glad they're there and I always pray, God, open their heart. But the reality is you could come in here on a Sunday morning the same way and sit through a worship service and walk out and someone says, wasn't that a great time in the presence of God? And you say, eh, I don't know. And sometimes... That's because our heart wasn't open to what God wanted to do. The best example in scripture I can think of this is just the Pharisees that were around Jesus. One time Jesus did this miracle of healing this man's hand, but he did it on a day of the week that the Pharisees didn't like. And so Matthew 12, 13 says, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted that they might kill him. 
And I read that and I say, amazing miracle of God that other people were praising God for and saying Jesus is the Messiah and he is wonderful. And yet this other group whose hearts were completely closed, their response was, let's kill this guy. And sometimes the only difference between someone worshiping Jesus and walking out not experiencing his presence is our heart open to what God wants to do this morning and in this place when you come in here. Sometimes the only difference is, is it God's agenda or my agenda? Sometimes we walk in here and there's, we know there's a sin in our life that's come between us and God and we wonder why we walk out and feel like we haven't met with him because there's this barrier in our life that keeps our heart closed. And so coming in with an open heart is critical to be able to experience the presence of God. Third thing we need to do, there's an open heart and uh, there's paying attention. The third thing in order to connect with God and when we come to church is devotion. Acts 2.42, when it talks about the early church and how the early church did, it says they devoted, say that word with me, devoted, try it once more, that wasn't very good. Let's try it again. Let's be devoted to saying this. Ready? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Oh, I want to be filled with awe and see miraculous signs and wonders. And you do too. We all want to leave here feeling like, wasn't that awesome? Weren't we filled with awe on that day? Didn't God do some wonderful things? We we all want to see the miraculous wonders and the signs. But do we want to be devoted? Do we want to do that first part? They devoted themselves. They committed themselves. They waited on. They longed for the apostles' teaching to the fellowship and the breaking of bread, which is communion, and to prayer. The apostles' teaching, when we gather around this word of God together, are we devoted to listening to it, applying it to our lives, and going from here and changing the way we live because of it, because that's being devoted to the word of God. Devotion is more than simply listening. Devotion is listening with a purpose. It's listening and looking to change my life in light of what's being said. Devotion is commitment. When I come in on Sunday, you know, the preaching time, I want to sit under that word just as much as I want all of us to sit under that word of God. Can you, devoted to the apostles' teaching, imagine these guys sitting around in the early church and they come together and it's Peter, James, and John right there. And what do they say? Tell us another story about Jesus. You guys were with them. Tell us what Jesus did. Tell us what Jesus taught. We, we want to know so we can live our lives by what Jesus taught. And when we come here on a Sunday morning, it's the same thing. That we come and we say, you know what? Tell us. Let's talk about something else that Jesus did. Let's talk about who God is. Let's talk about what God has done and how we are to live our lives in light of it. Because we are to be devoted to the word of God. It's more than just listening. It's more than just passing time. It is listening with a purpose. It is applying the word to my life. Taking notes. So I talked about, you know, when I do, when I'm listening to a sermon, for me, yeah, I do have the electronic device out, even though I just talked all about that. I try and discipline myself to ignore the icons or I shut them off, the alerts. You can do that too. Um, But for me, the reason I do that is because when uh, Pastor Brian's preaching, I'll be taking notes on what he says on, on uh, you know, my tablet or, or my phone. And I 
do it in a Bible program uh, so that that note is in that Bible program all the time, and that's where I do my devotions. So when I'm reading through the Bible and I come to that little yellow tab, I click on it, and there's Pastor Brian's notes from that sermon that he preached, and I can look at it and say, God, how can I apply this to my life? I'm just not that good at keeping the paper notes. Maybe you're better at that, um, but I'm not. So that's, that's what I do, but that's part of my, for me, that's a devotion to the Word of God to sit under the teaching that God has brought through the person that brought the word of God that morning. Devotion to the word of God. If you leave here and you don't feel like you met with God, could it be perhaps that the word of God, being devoted to the word of God, isn't, it needs work in your life? Look, I've sat through some boring sermons. I've given some boring sermons. I understand. But my prayer is always, Lord, Help me to hear what you want to say to me through this. Lord, help me to hear your voice because this is your word. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to apply it to my life, whatever it is. And so the devotion to the word of God. When we put people on this platform, it's not because they have clever stories or a a good way to tell a story. It's because we ask them to open up the word of God and to speak from it. The message from God's word. Fourth and finally, You want to leave here and you want to know that you've met with God? I have no other way to put it than you have to make an effort to meet with God. James chapter 4 verse 8 says this, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. King James says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So many of us want that reversed. Right, God, you come close to me, and then I will come close to you. God, you do the work. I'm sitting here, Lord. I'm here. Did my part. Now, God, do yours. But the Bible says we're to draw near to God, and he draws near. So, see, God already did his part. On the cross of Jesus Christ, he came closer to us. He came as close as he could without forcing himself upon us, but inviting us to be in relationship with him. I, think, I don't think Michelangelo got everything right, but that picture on the top of the Sistine Chapel, I think it's pretty close to good theology of this verse, where God is stretching out his hand and straining to reach out, and man is cavalierly holding forth his finger and failing to bridge the gap. And I think that's a good illustration of this verse that God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And so there's a difference between being a spectator and a participant, isn't there? The truth is there's many things that we go to and we are simply spectators. But if we do that in church, I promise you, you will leave here many times and you will feel like you did not meet with God. You might leave with a good feeling because you saw other people meet with God. And you leave feeling good because you were close to someone else who met with God. But you didn't meet with God yourself. Jesus talked about people like that. He said, you know, on the day of judgment, there'll be some people that say, God, didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? And Jesus said, I didn't even know you. How could you do a miracle and prophesy without even knowing God? Without even being in relationship with him? There's a difference between being a spectator, being close to the things of God, and being close to God. 
And we're called to be close to God. There's a difference between being a spectator and a participant. And when we are part of the church of Jesus Christ, we are called to be participants and not spectators. So why do we sing together on a Sunday morning? Because we are participating with one another, listening to one another sing as we sing praises. We are speaking our words to God. It's in the history of our faith. Go back to the Psalms. Go back to the early worship of the, the temple and the tabernacle. They always sang praises to God. Go to the New Testament. Uh, uh, Paul uh, encourages to encourage each other with psalms and spiritual songs. It's always been a part of who we are, but why we do it in worship? We do it as worship to God. We participate together in the worship service. We pray for one another. We listen and we apply the word of God to our lives together. You're called to be a participant and not a spectator. But if you come in just saying, just sitting in a chair saying, I've done my part, your turn. I think you're going to leave, and many times you're going to feel like I did not meet with God because God has called us to draw close to him. The altar times, the prayer time, time of singing is the time to draw close to God. The best steak that I ever ate that I can remember was at Ruth Chris's restaurant a few years ago. I don't know if you've ever had the chance to be there, but Wendy and I had a chance to go to a Ruth Chris's, uh, I don't know, three or four years ago around Christmas time. We went out for a, just a kind of a dinner around Christmas time to, uh, as a little treat for ourselves. And, um, and it was our first time there, and we went to this restaurant in downtown Boston. And from the very beginning of the experience, everything was organized around you having an incredible eating experience in that place. From the moment you walk in and confirm your reservation in that old historic Boston building to them bringing you to your table and introducing you to your servers and and everything from them explaining how they cook their steaks at 1,300 degrees and your mouth starts watering just thinking about it. And them serving you and bringing everything out. I don't know how many servers we had that day, but, but it was just an amazing experience that we were able to have that day. And they, and they brought out this steak and they made sure it was cooked the way you liked it. And then you know, I ate that steak and it melted in my It was the best steak I ever ate in my life. Paid that bill happily. <laughs> Walked out of that restaurant on December night with the snow falling, satisfied, feeling fulfilled. But let me tell you, if I had gone into that Ruth's Chris's restaurant and had that very same experience and all the servers and all the steak prepared and they tell me how do you want it cooked and I tell them exactly how I want it cooked and they bring it out and they make sure it's cooked just the way I like it. But then I let the steak sit there and I walk out without eating. I promise you I am leaving that restaurant hungry and unsatisfied. Everything's the same. And everyone has gone through the same amount of effort to prepare that place and to prepare that food and to prepare that experience for me. But if I fail to participate and engage in the experience and actually eat the steak, I will leave hungry and unsatisfied. And I promise you it's the same with church. That we can do everything that we can do as pastors, as leaders. We'll do everything we can and God, as God leads to set the table. We'll do everything we can to prepare the meal. I'll do everything I can to get into the word of God and pray and get before God and to prepare a meal as best as God would work through me and my ability allows. 
And we can, and all the workers and ministers can be here. But if you will come in as a spectator and not a participant, you will often leave hungry and unsatisfied. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Church is not a spectator sport. Coming into church means participating, engaging, praying, singing, encouraging encouraging, fellowshipping, and applying the word of God to our lives as we leave here. So as a reminder for you today, I'm going to give you something to remind you today about the importance of being a participant in the church of God. And I am going to give you something that I promise will not allow you to forget that you are called to be a participant. In today's day, you know, if, you're, if your kids play sports, sometimes everybody gets a participant badge, Right? No first place, second place. Everybody gets a participant's badge. So I'm going to ask the ushers right now, and they're going to distribute to you the most cheesy (laughs) participant ribbon we could possibly find. And I want you to know that you are a participant in the body of Christ. And the ushers are coming. And I want to make sure everybody gets today. You got to walk out here. I don't know if you're walking out a winner, but you're walking out a participant. <laughs> and, and this put this in some place to remind you that in the church of Jesus Christ, that you are called not to be simply a spectator, but to be a participant in the word of God and in the work of God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is ultimately the purpose. As a church, we want to be a church that represents God well. We want to be a place where people come and encounter God. I want this to be a place where you come and you meet with God. It's not going to happen if we put the best speaker we can find on this platform. You may leave with a funny story. You may leave encouraged. You may leave with a little more knowledge. But if you don't engage with your heart, if you don't pay attention, if you don't devote yourself to the word of God, then we might leave here without having met with God, participating in the church. Would you stand with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives, Lord. God, I thank you that you have called us not to be spectators, but participants. Father, I thank you that you move when your people meet. Forgive us for so often for failing to pay attention. Forgive us, Lord, for missing your voice when you're just trying to speak in that gentle whisper. We let so many other voices invade our head. We let so many other things capture our hearts. Lord, I pray that at the very least when we enter this space, whether it's here in Burlington or in Belmont, when we enter the space together where the believers are gathered, that we would do you at least the worship of giving you our full attention. That we would be open to what you want to speak to us, that we would be devoted to your word, that we would participate together 
in worshiping you and being a part of the church on Sunday mornings together, Lord. Father, I pray that our times together would change us and make us more like Christ. Lord, if there is anything in any one of our lives that's keeping us from knowing you more and growing in you, then Lord, I ask that you would help us to examine our hearts and that you, by your Holy Spirit, would examine our hearts and cleanse us, that we might worship you fully and completely, Lord. Lord, we thank you for meeting with us. May we have the strength and the motivation to draw close to you so you would draw close to us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let us, as we close out the service, participate together, worshiping God. So this is God's word to us. As we sing, we sing our words to God in worship and in response. And let's do that together as we close out our service together.